Joe Souchere. Commencing garage logic segment number one. It's a cold 33. Another dank 33. What is everybody? You know what I don't like? What's that? I don't like those days where it's warmer at 5.30 in the morning than yep. it is at noon. Yep. Yep. Man, the old man winter is starting to howl out there with the wind. Yeah, but she's going to warm up again, I saw. I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, know. you know what I hate? I hate when you just get up and randomly go outside even earlier than that, and it is uh, absolutely freezing out. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's, sometimes it just it's cold. Got to do it. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the North Koreans, uh, little Kim, the fruitcake, he keeps threatening us. Yeah. I was noting that a North Korean soldier was fighting for his life in a South Korean hospital as new details emerged from his brazen <clears throat> dash for freedom across the demilitarized zone. Four North Korean soldiers fired 40 rounds at the soldier as he fled into South Korea, and they hit him five times. His oh. personal details and motive for defection are unknown, and his exact medical condition is unclear. But he made it. He's in a South Korean hospital. So four guys firing 40 rounds. They, they couldn't put the guy away, uh, fortunately for him. I wonder who's in more trouble. So you know what, Kim? What, what do you got here? What do you got? What yeah, kind of threats are you going to level with? Keystone cops. Fact-based from frequent emailer Kelsey. Yes. <clears throat> I hate to have to defend the rookie, but yesterday you guys were discussing Tom Monahan creating his own town. It was mentioned that he had also founded Domino's Pizza. Rookie said that he owned the Tigers, and Chris was dismissive and said that the Tigers were owned by the founder of Little Caesars Pizza. Both were correct. Tom Monahan of Domino's fame owned the Tigers from 1983 to 1992 when he sold them to Mike Illich of Little Caesars. Ha! Both are Michigan boys who started pizza empires in their home state. Illich died earlier this year, and the family still owns the Tigers as well as the Red Wings. Okay, points awarded to both. Two different pizza guys own the Tigers. I did not know that. Who would have thunk Michigan would be the uh, pizza mecca? Two guys that started empires. And you can really build your fortune on some weird things, can't you? Uh, yeah, uh, either one of those I'm are, not, sure are not my favorite pizza. I'm not sure I've had either one. Well, Domino's. I bet I have at some point. Oh, in my yeah, life. you've had a Domino's yeah. at probably, some point. Probably. Little uh, Caesars. Was a little Little more... Caesars where you had the cheese bread? Yeah, the crazy bread. Crazy yeah, bread? And Little Caesars does have um, their three meat pizzas pretty good. If you're looking for a Don't quick Don't start fix. that again. Don't start no. that. No, I I won't go over but that. But they're not as the the locations for them are not nearly as um uh, available. Yeah, as, as a Domino's. Hmm. When is the inter- oh that's was in January. Uh, <laughs> Mike writes temperatures have uh, from the U.S. National Weather Service, Twin Cities, Minnesota. Temperatures have not reached fifty degrees so far this November in the Twin Cities as of today. The last time the Twin Cities had a November without a fifty degree day was in 1997, and this has only happened seven times back to 1872. So, so it's happened seven times. So what did you say it is today, Director of Social Media, 33? Yeah, 33 I guess degrees. that's what the temperature is supposed to be. Okay. Tur- 33. 33. <laughs> Wild one last night. Shut out. Well, 
two empty net goals made it look more impressive than it was. Yeah. Doobie stood on his head. Yeah, Doobie played well. Good. Really playing well. Three straight shutouts. I'm not going to get into the uh, whole Zucker win streak thing. I followed that up something terrible on Monday. They won. But he got a goal last night. Not the first one, though. No, no. He almost did. Niederreiter got the first one 12 seconds in. Mm-hmm. And then that held until the final minute, two minutes of play. The center held? It did. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Timberwolves are home tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. Hosting the San Antonio Spurs. Mm-hmm. They're a good club, aren't they? They are. They uh, The Wolves lost to them on the opening night of the of the season. Haven't the Wolves lost to them about 13 times in a row or yeah, something like something that? something like that. Mm-hmm. The but Spurs maybe, have okay. the Wolves now. Maybe, maybe fortune's turned tonight. They're you know, home cooking. Yeah. I wonder what cooking. kind of crowd they'll have. Oh, I, yeah. I, I anticipate a festive crowd at Target Center this evening. You know, we've always joked about how the NFL owners would come in here and, and try to get everything they could get their grubby hands on. Yeah, we used to joke about it. Light rail service along the Metro Transit Blue Line and a section of the Green Line will serve only Super Bowl ticket holders. You're kidding me. February 4th. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. You're I'm not. Are you bringing this up to make me mad? No. The Minnesota Super Bowl host committee launched its No Before You Go campaign Monday, which included game day changes to light rail transit. Twin Cities residents not attending the Super Bowl will not have access to the blue line and stops along the green line from Stadium Village to U.S. Bank Stadium. Metro Transit will charge Super Bowl ticket holders 30 bucks for a game day pass to board the rail to U.S. Bank Stadium, while regular transit users will be directed to replacement buses operating along each light rail line. And that's if they don't go on strike. Wait a minute. Okay, that's just the day of the game. Yep. Okay. We had to try you and figure out a week. Well, I wouldn't surprise me. We had to try and figure this is from the Pioneer Press. We had to try and figure out a way to best serve our riders that frankly didn't need to be going to the game and not have them be part of the lines, not have them be part of the screening process, said Howie Padilla, Metro Transit Public Relations Manager. Metro Transit will have screening areas set up at the Stadium Village and Mall of America stations for ticket holders. Trains will run nonstop to U.S. Bank Stadium from the two stations. Green Line service, that's our line right out front here, yep. uh, along stops east of Stadium Village will still operate throughout the day. Uh, Padilla said charges the changes were made because the screening process would have inconvenienced normal riders subjecting them to long waits. We just, frankly, did not want our regular riders to get caught up in that screening process, he said. So it sounds like they're trying to do a a, a favor for the great unwashed. Well, I, I thought it was you were going to say that, you know, it's during the week or whatever. But if it's just for the day of the game, I'm mm-hmm. not as worked up as I thought I was going to be. And, and I Because I think here's what they're trying to avoid. They're trying to avoid avoid the long line. Well, not only that, but all the people that are that are gawking, that are just on the train, just to go down there, take a look, and they're not planning on being part of any of the activity. Yeah, think of the revenue. But there's there's a dichotomy there uh, because that's precisely what the organizers are basically cheerleading for. They 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 keep selling this as a community event in which all can take part, and so it it strikes me as perfectly natural. That somebody want to go down there and stand around and at least say, yeah, we were outside the building. We didn't get in, but we were part of the action. And you can still do that. You just can't take light rail. Well, and, and they're trying to avoid, because the the, the, the the trains would be packed. Yeah. Well, that's... Well, so are Newark subways. Metro Transit's plan drew criticism from some who said it's unfair to average yeah. riders 
in need of reliable weekend transportation. It's creating two tiers of people, those who can afford expensive Super Bowl tickets and those who cannot, said Nate Hood, a St. Paul resident and Metro Transit user. Hood added that the replacement buses are unsatisfactory and allow officials to use the trains to project an image of this city. Rick Cardenas of St. Paul Strong, a civic advocacy group, said Super Bowl ticket holders can afford to pay for alternative transportation options like taxis. I'm strongly against them stopping the public from riding light rail, Cardenas said. In other words, a free ride is being taken away from the great Greek chorus, uh, adding that he hopes the plan will be addressed in union negotiations. Hmm. Uh, and uh, then it says all of this, of course, is is pending. Uh reaching a new contract, which they hope to do uh, by January, or else uh, Metro Transit is threatening to shut down all transit during the Super Bowl. Aha. Well, that's their leverage. Well, you can't hardly, you can hardly blame them for using it. Oh, if you can take advantage of a city like that in a state uh, and a country, go ahead and do it. Uh, just a minute they're, here. They're practicing that, too. Yeah. You need me? Uh, no, I'm good. Okay. Uh, we'll be back shortly. Yeah. Oh, who was your postman? What did you deliver, Bert? Woman kicked off flight after emotional support pig became disruptive. Yesterday, it was a guy with an emotional support squirrel. Where are we headed? See, you see? Where are we headed? We're headed. Where we, are we headed? We need to say no. People need to be told no. No. Just say it. An emotional support pig did nothing to support the emotions of a plane passenger when it started to act up before takeoff. The animal was taken onto a U.S. Airways flight out of Connecticut. The passenger tied it up to an armrest when it became disruptive. Jonathan Skolnick, a professor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst and a passenger on the flight, told ABC he thought the pig was a duffel bag. <laughs> Didn't the tail and the ears uh, appear to be a little normal or real? He said, but it turns out it wasn't a duffel bag. We could smell it, and it was a pig on a leash. She tethered it to the armrest next to me and started to deal with her stuff, but the pig was walking back and forth. I was terrified because I was thinking, I'm going to be on a plane with a pig. <laughs> the 70-pound pig was causing such a stir that airline staff were forced to ask the passenger and her pet to leave. Parent company American Airlines said the pet was an emotional support animal, but had to leave because it kept roaming. Emotional support pets are becoming more of a Common sight on planes. I've heard this from some people that I know that work at the airport. People are pushing the envelope. Daniel the Duck was recently spotted on a flight from Charlotte in North Carolina to Asheville. See? Daniel the Duck. He wears red booties and a diaper. Damn right. Oh my Daniel little, the Duck. Little red booties and a diaper. What? The duck gets And it's a four year old duck and it it's a big lover of mac and cheese. I don't know why that 
Why is that in there? I didn't know ducks ate. I thought they just ate bread. Don't you need? What do ducks eat? Mac and cheese. I guess. <laughs> crackers. Don't they from a box or do they have to be homemade? Where are we headed? I'm telling you, that's the problem. Downhill. People. People are not told no. For uh, and it all stems out of these lawsuits, and that's the original reason people were said, "Do whatever you want. I don't want to get sued." In the latest Carl Hyacin book, the title of which escapes me, he sets up a mob character mm-hmm. who uh, enlists a, a, a guy with a fake support dog, okay. and he he made, the mobster makes this guy and his fake support dog fly everywhere with him because they get bulkhead seats. <laughs> oh my God! Really? Oh, it's hilarious stuff. But uh, I'm surprised. Hyacinth didn't go with a pig or a squirrel or a duck. Uh, is Razor Girl his new? Yeah, it was Razor Girl. Okay, Razor Girl. Razor Girl. Yeah. <laughs> I just finished last night Nelson DeMille's newest book. Why don't we get Nelson on? The Cuban Affair. You want me to try to get Nelson on? I don't think he comes through town. The only time we've had him on is by phone. And we, we interrupted his cocktail hour. Remember? I remember that. That was a good line. Yeah. Yeah. You, you said, what are you doing now? He said, well, it's 5 o'clock. You know, see you later. <laughs> I'm having a cocktail. It was fun. It's a page turner. What was the name of it? Cube, the Cuban Affair. The Cuban Affair. Mm-hmm. Do you get insight into uh, real Cuba, is it, or is it not? Yeah, I think I told you the other day in the, in the act of reading it, I made the determination that it's oh, the yeah. last place in the world I want to go. I don't share. It's that. a police state. I don't want to go there. I I think I I want. It's on the it's on the bucket list. They're years away from cleaning out that. Regime that before I'd ever want to go there. Mm. There's 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 really nothing there to, except the police state and some old colonial buildings. I think it'd be cool to say you had a cocktail or a beer in Cuba. Yeah, you can get and a, a cigar. Cuba I Libre. I don't smoke. You can get cigars. Yeah. yeah. Are they cheaper there? I, I don't know. Everything there is paid in state money called certificates of something you know you i go over there start flashing some american money and we're talking midnight express mm-hmm. huh? <clears throat> you read the birding column i'm just waiting till i get to the meat of the show today uh, a, a, which a is summer- more of which is more of where are we headed a summary of birds i have seen it i, I don't read it religiously as i used to read stamps in the news by wayne hassel well, i'm going to give you a quiz yep uh what are wild turkeys doing in St. Paul? We see them near busy intersections all over the western side of the city. Aren't they in danger of being hit by cars? And where did they come from? Where did they come from? Okay. Um, where, where do all wild beasts come from? Exactly where. Yeah. They come up from the river. They come up from the river. Right. It's the source of all beasts. More and more of us are seeing wild turkeys in the urban landscape, in backyards, parking lots, roadways, and just about everywhere else. The birds have discovered that cities and suburbs are rife with uh, turkey food, such as acorns, other nuts, and seeds dropped from bird feeders. I suspect the flocks uh, you're seeing came up from the Mississippi River bottoms. That's where everything comes up from. Comes up from the river. Bears. They can fly, but not for long distances. And at night, they launch into a tree's low branches, then hop upward to spend the night. And yes, vehicles pose a grave danger to wild turkeys in the road. Uh, well, that's the turkey's problem. Right. We can't. I think if you hit a turkey, you'd damage your car. Uh, yeah, and you want to aim right for the middle, just like deer. Well, they're, they're, they're very sizable, and they're, they're, they're uh, 
feathers looked like armor. Yeah. Looked like uh, the armor of an alien aircraft. But they're, they're not s- handsome. No, they're not. Are they fast? I don't really rem- I don't recall seeing one in the street. Not really, but I'm entirely familiar with them. They're all over. Uh, they're all over town. And Highway Five, you know, by Fort Snelling, they are. It looks like there's a a, a conference there. Mm-hmm. But I uh, I was amused to uh, have it corroborated what we've always insisted, and that's any animal you see comes up from the river. Comes up from the river. Yeah. And again, this is another animal you wouldn't be dealing with if there wasn't a dog leash law. Ever since the leash laws, wildlife has moved into urban areas. I would completely. Where in the old days, the dogs uh, controlled the perimeter. Yeah. They kept them away. dogs. Kept them, kept them away. Yep. And plus, dogs were not neurotic back then. They just they got exhausted playing with their friends all day. And then they laid in the yard and you walked by and they just looked at you. <laughs> they put their now head they up, go nuts. Day and yeah. then went back down. Now they go nuts. Yeah. You rarely see a happy dog walker. <laughs> well, it's true. And that's another task. You know, in the 30 years ago, you didn't have to, uh, you didn't really have to walk your dog. You let him out. Let him out, and he'd come home at the end of the day. Yep. Then you'd have to scrape the crap off your tennis shoes with a popsicle stick. <laughs> is John yes. Height ready with the news? He is on this day, sir. All right. Living on the best. Here's John Height. Cloudy. 33 degrees. This update sponsored by Beautyrest. Get a box spring or $1,000 off smart motion tech with the purchase of select mattresses during Beautyrest. Upgrade your sleep sale. Find a retailer at beautyrestretailers.com. Get yours at Becker Furniture World's eight locations. 25837 if that helps you, Rook. little inside radio there. Is that cut water cut too? (laughs) We got everybody. Twins manager Paul Molitor was named American League Manager of the Year yesterday. He was on this morning with Mackie and Judd here on 1500 ESPN. Uh, they talked about how he deals with all the uh, Twins young uh, young players and how that went this past season. You know, I, I just look at it that I, I, I remind myself every day that this, this is a really hard game. And, uh, you know, you, you would like to see certain things that happen that don't, and you sometimes get a little frustrated. But you remember that that's uh, something that you endured as a player, too. So I, I just think trying to be empathetic and understanding that the game's not as easy as it might look sometimes when you watch it on television. The Molitor also told the fellows he expects the team will be very busy in the offseason trying to upgrade their pitching staff. Well-deserved. I'm glad he won. Uh-huh. Timberwolves in action tonight. They're... I always figured he had a chance, and of course Patrick would be among those who tried to disabuse me of that. Wait, passion. what? Pat yeah. was wrong? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Block him on Twitter. <laughs> Timberwolves in well, action. Tonight. I will say this: it was surprising that he won, just given how dominant the Astros were in yeah, the regular but who had season. A bigger turnaround. True, and that 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 is why he. I mean, yeah. he had what Johnny eighteen was it eighteen first, first place, place votes, votes, and I think yep. Francona was second. He only had ten. Yep. Timberwolves in action tonight. They're at home against the San Antonio Spurs. Go for basketball at home tonight. They're playing Niagara at Williams Arena. Uh, Papa John's Pizza tweeting an apology for founder John Schneider's statement from a couple of weeks ago. Remember, he suggested the NFL's failure to control player protests was contributing to his lower sales. That statement prompted a white supremacist publication to endorse Papa John's. Well, yesterday, the pizza company apologized for any divisiveness the earlier statement may have caused. It sent a pointed message to white supremacists, too, including the emoji, that emoji, an upraised middle finger.
Their tweets also stated yesterday they wanted to work with all sides to create a more unified front, saying, we believe in the right to protest inequality and support the players' movement to create a new platform for change. We also believe as Americans we should honor our anthem. There's a way to do both. Huh? News notes from today. Anoka County has charged uh, the three people involved with Friday's hit and run in Andover now that killed 17-year-old Tristan Robinson. 19-year-old driver Lauren Gaffner dragged and ran over Robinson is charged with criminal vehicular homicide in addition to second-degree murder. He's in jail with bond set at $1 million. Mm. The 16- and 17-year-olds in the car are charged with one count of aiding and abetting second-degree murder. Uh, they would like them tried as adults. Right now, they are charged as juveniles. The court documents say the three set out to meet Robinson, who was at a friend's house, to get marijuana. They planned to steal it and not pay. They laughed when they ran him over. Yes, they did. That's a very, very troubling why, sign. Uh, lost why, all moral and ethical clarity. Why were they uh, targeting this? They were trying to buy pot. Yeah, they they, was, they didn't know who the kid was. He wasn't targeted. It was just, okay. He just happened to be the... And then they said, basically, they said that they didn't want that much or they didn't have enough money didn't have enough for money whatever for they the had. Bag. So he went to go back inside, and that's when they, they robbed they him. They grabbed the bag and ran, and he chased him. <sighs> an Egan man has been charged in connection to an indecent exposure incident that occurred in South Minneapolis. Court records say 31-year-old Robert James Stevenson has been charged with indecent exposure, a misdemeanor, the criminal complaint says Minneapolis police received an order allowing a GPS device to be put on Stevenson's car. He was the subject of a different indecent exposure case at that point. On September 3rd, an officer monitored Stevens' vehicle in Minneapolis. During the monitoring of the vehicle, the officer noticed him drive past locations of previous indecent exposure reports. At about 9 in the morning, the officer received a call from a woman who said she had seen a man exposing himself at the end of her alley. The incident occurred around 8.30 in the morning in the area of 47th Street and Oakland Avenue. Data confirmed that Swanson was in the area at the time of the incident. He expected to appear in court on November 20th. So well, one thing I don't get is, uh, hey, look what I got. Any, anybody you would expose yourself to would not be in the right mind to be in a, a romantic interlude or, or in the mood. boy. Yeah. <laughs> Plus it's cold out. Well, that's the other thing too. Like, always puzzled. Well, it was September third. Maybe, maybe well, it might have been nice. Might, might, hey, have been okay. Everyone... open the trench coat and say, you know, if it was summer and seventy-five degrees. Yeah. <laughs> now the uh, uh, I have something to show you. I did see a more uh, in-depth story. Apparently, he basically just took off all his clothes and jumped out of his car and stood there naked. Huh. So uh, it wasn't like he. Uh, just, Everyone needs a hobby, John. Yeah, yeah right. It wasn't uh, just opening his coat. <laughs> no. Whoa. <laughs> Republicans began pushing a broad tax cut for business and many individuals through the Senate Finance Committee today, a measure that's complicated by late addition, that repeal of the Obama health care law requirement that Americans get insurance coverage. Erasing the Affordable Care Act's individual mandate provided Republicans with more money that they used to make some tax breaks in the bill for people modestly more uh, modestly more generous. But it raised questions about whether it might prompt some moderate Republican senators to back away again from the measure. Nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office has projected that dismantling the requirement would mean 4 million additional uninsured people by 2019 and 13 million more uninsured by 2027. Worries about people leaving without coverage were among the reasons GOP senators uh, could not get it passed last summer. Getting back to the knucklehead who jumped out of the car, mm-hmm. do you think we're seeing, um, this is very serious, do you think the Samer theory is is happening? No, I think we've always always had yeah. perverts. And now we have the internet and you know, social media. 
I, I was looking for an answer to say, yes, Joe, I think the same. Joe, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's the same or theory. I think people are going nuts. I think you could be more correct. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same or theory. Uh, investigators follow up uh, yesterday uh, to that story in California. It gets even weirder. Investigators in Tahama County spent much of the day looking for the wife of that man who was shot dead by law enforcement after going on a rampage in a small northern California town, killing five and injuring nine others. Ultimately, hers was the final death attributed to gunman Kevin Jansen Neal. Her body found beneath floorboards in his Rancho Tahama Reserve home. That, according to Tahama County Assistant Sheriff Phil Johnston, Neighbors told investigators they think there was a domestic violence incident at Neal's home the day before. Johnston said investigators think that the wife was killed on Monday. Johnston said, we believe that's probably what started this whole event. The shooting rampage spanned seven scenes yesterday. The first two people that Neal shot and killed were neighbors before he stole their truck and sought seemingly random victims elsewhere, including an elementary school where, luckily, they had gone into lockdown, so he was not able to get in total of six people died, including Neil, who was shot and killed by police. Nine people injured, including seven children. Four of the kids were at the school during the incident and suffered injuries ranging from very minor to life-threatening. One child remains in critical condition. And you don't think the Samer theory is in play? Yeah, yeah that's in the... Uh, that helps. Mm-hmm. I think you're right, Joe. Your theory. Mm-hmm. The Samer theory is the theory that uh, exposed to too much radioactivity in the air, people's brains are going to start to bubble and toil and trouble and go nuts. No World's Fair in Minnesota in 2023. Thank oh, God. we didn't get the bid? No. Dang. International governing body in charge of selecting the location uh, said on Twitter this morning it's picked Argentina over Poland in the second round of voting. Uh, my I was people lost for Poland. Too. I would have gone. Well, where were they going to put it in Bloomington? Hey, we're going to be in the Home Depot. I mean, we're right, out of, of the mall. Just up for four ninety four. We can't thank you enough. <laughs> the U.S. Minnesota's bid received the third most votes in the first round. It went Poland forty six, Argentina forty six, U.S. twenty three. Second round, members of the International Bureau of Expositions voted for a sixty two fifty six decision for Argentina. Can well, they th- handle it? Is it going to be like um, the Olympics with Rio de Janeiro, where they were not ready? I don't know, man. I was just looking for a yes, you bet, Ruck. How you doing? I think you hit the nail on the head, yeah. Ruck. Right, Batman on the back. One of the biggest movies of the 1990s is returning to theaters after 20 years. Titanic will oh, be coming God. back to the big screen for one week in December. Why? Well, make some money would be my guess. Yeah, it's a quick money make from Hollywood. Huh? A remake, John, or is this? No, no, the same movie, the, uh-huh. the actual film. Uh, Dolby Laboratories, Paramount Pictures, and AMC Theaters said today that a remastered version of the James Cameron film will be shown at select AMC locations starting nationwide December 10th. Uh, That will last for 10 days. Cameron says it's the best-looking version of Titanic that ever will be released to theaters. He's just growing into that role, and that's what you love to see. You know, yeah, we just lost a great player, but nevertheless, you know, the the the, the Titanic still has to go. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yes, it does. Sorry, Cam. Yeah, the Titanic was down. Makes no sense, Cam. <laughs> Dave Dahl. Dave Dahl's uh, forecast here in Garage Logic is brought to you by the fine folks at Menards. 
Here's Dave Dahl. Kind of socked in with clouds, Joe. We're at 33 degrees, but it feels like it's 22. There's the a wind help. is howling. The wind is howling right now. It's northwesterly at about 22, gusting to 30. Uh, it's going to stay strong throughout the afternoon. Taper off a little bit tonight. 24 for the frozen overnight low tonight. 5 to 15 miles per hour out of the northwest will be the winds. Tomorrow, partly sunny and cool still. 38 for the high. And then mostly cloudy. Drizzle developing by tomorrow night. And on Friday, drizzle, but warmer. Temperature up to around 43. And then Saturday, flurries, windy, and turning colder. A howling wind again on Saturday. We're going to have temperatures around 30 for the afternoon, but it'll feel like it's in the teens thanks to a wind chill. And Sunday, pretty much the same story. Partly cloudy, still cold. A high of around 32. Warms up to around 40 on Monday of next week. And looking toward Thanksgiving, uh, right now it appears though it'll be rather mild with temperatures in the 40s for Thanksgiving Day. Until that time, we're going to be cold tonight down to 24. Right now, Joe, we're at 33. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Dick Hackbarth, a Boston University professor who teaches at the Questrom School of Business, posted a scathing review of the Cambridge Eatery Cafe Art Science on Yelp, criticizing the weight of two employees, according to the Boston Globe. Hackbarth uh, reportedly complained that he was kept waiting and described restaurant manager Mark Grande as a fat guy. He also reportedly hurled insults at bar director Tenzin Samdo uh, in the post, which has since been deleted. Asian, cool, skinny dude at bar was friendly, but knew he was powerless vis-a-vis the host. Different weight class, I guess, though the fat guy probably never heard of MMA tricks, etc., the Post read, according to the Boston Globe. Jeez. What's that, mixed martial arts? Yeah. The Yelp review reportedly gained traction after Sam Doe posted about it on Facebook. He has since deleted the post. According to the AP, the restaurant, the restaurant's director of operations claims Hackbarth arrived late to dinner on November 4. Staffers told uh, the outlet he grew angry after he was seated at the bar and made a number of derogatory remarks before being asked to leave. Jeez. Ken Freeman, the dean of Questrom School of Business, tweeted the day after the controversy LaPoste appeared on Yelp, assuring the public that he and other school officials were aware of its existence. We are aware of an inappropriate Yelp review posted by a member of our faculty, he tweeted. It does not represent our views and values. We are extremely disappointed by this occurrence. This reminded me of something. What did that remind you of? Back in the spring. Oh, by the way, we should probably uh, hit the... Um... For inappropriate. Yeah. Go ahead. In the spring, what happened? There was a dean at Yale who wrote a racist and classist Yelp review. You recall that? I do remember, vaguely. Her name is June Chu. She was dean of Pearson College. She came under fire in May after the student newspaper, the Yale Daily News, revealed the controversial reviews. Soon after that, Yale's administration suspended the dean, citing her failure to accurately disclose how many reviews she had written. While academics might often find themselves in hot water for political remarks and social media, comments on Yelp typically focus on critiques of businesses, but Ms. Chu's criticism touched on the community of New Haven, Connecticut. Hmm. To put it quite simply, she wrote, if you are white trash, this is the perfect night for you. She wrote in one review of a Japanese restaurant. Another no, read, this theater lives up to its reviews. I love the small theater feel without sketchy crowds, despite it being in New Haven. The AP reported that Miss Chu had publicly apologized for her insensitivity. Uh, Stephen Davis, head of Pearson College, said in an email to students that a search for a new dean had begun and that one should be in place 
by the fall, meaning now. The only reason I bring this up, uh, and I know two examples does not make a rule, but generally speaking, in the failed academy, these the academic class lives in such an insulated bubble that it's do as I say, not as I do. And they get outside that bubble, and their hypocrisy rears its head. Uh, they are steeped. They are steeped in the kind of uh, failed academy, academy culture where they are absolutely— uh, Cemented in. Cemented into the idea that there is no such thing as weightism, objectivism, classism, racism. They're always they're always preaching and preaching and preaching about that. But you get them outside the fence, get them outside the fence, and they reveal themselves to be the hypocrites they are. That's the only reason I brought this up. This is incredible to me. This Hackbarth wouldn't say anything like that in a class. Right. And this June Shoe wouldn't say anything like that in a class. But you get them outside that that protected, insulated bubble where they exist as a parallel on a parallel rail to the rest of us, and they real they reveal themselves to be the complete morons uh, that they are. And and uh, it's not going to end soon, is it? And you see their role uh, in the failed academy. Fifteen hundred ESPN presents. 52 super stories leading up to the big game. Brought to you by Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. Here's Patrick Royce. We did this last week, talked to you about Bob McGinn's book on the Super Bowl, aptly named the Ultimate Super Bowl book. It had its second edition published after the 2012 game when the Giants upset the unbeaten Patriots in Super Bowl 46 in Glendale, Arizona. That was also the last Super Bowl that I covered and among the most memorable. I'm looking forward to covering another one in uh, Minneapolis in February. McGinn's book contains many top 10 lists, including the top 10 characters that's probably my favorite list and we went through the uh, five through ten last week but I wanted to stop and get to my number one all-time favorite Super Bowl character, number four on McGinn's list, Thomas Hollywood Henderson, linebacker, Cowboys, Super Bowls 10, 12, and 13. After filling up every reporter's notebook all week long, Hollywood snorted liquid cocaine during the game from an inhaler that he concealed in his uniform pants. But what an athlete this guy was. He ran 4-3 as a linebacker, and they used to give him the ball on reverses on kickoffs, and not he could have played anywhere on the field. Number three on the list of all-time characters, and he maybe should be higher, uh, Joe Namath. The photos of Namath sitting poolside surrounded by writers and bathing beauties are enduring images of Super Bowl III. His guarantee of victory was the stuff of legends. I know we're going to win. I have that attitude. I feel that way. And it's not overconfidence thing. It's football sense. Namath has not been bashful this week. And he has said that the Jets are going to win. He doesn't even predict it. He said, I guarantee. And you know what? That game made the Super Bowl. The first two years, they weren't selling out, and then Namath came along. Number two, Jim McMahon, quarterback, Bears, Super Bowl twenty in New Orleans. I was at that one. Boy, did he keep us moving. Uh, mooning news helicopters, ripping Bears management, carousing on Bourbon Street, allegedly insulting the residents of the Big Easy. Each new day, a new headline involving McMahon. It certainly did. And number 
Vaughn, Max McGee, receiver Packers. First Super Bowl after an all-nighter with a blonde from Chicago. And then Boyd Dollar went down on the second play of Super Bowl number one. And, of course, McGee had the game of his life to review. Here's the top ten characters. Uh, Max McGee, Jim McMahon, Joe Namath, Thomas Hollywood Henderson, Fred Williamson, Shannon Sharp, John Riggins, John Matuzic, Dwayne Thomas, and Brett Favre. If you want to read uh, Bob McGinn's football coverage these days, just go to Bob McGinn Football, M-C-G-I-N-N. It's a very well-done website that uh, I have started to follow. 52 Super Stories continues next week. Brought to you by Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. And for more details on Super Bowl 52 coming to the Twin Cities in 2018, sign up for the host committee email at mnsuperbowl.com. You know what those academics reveal when they uh, trash the little people? What do they reveal? Their elitism. Yeah, they, do you think they're not aware of it? You people are white trash and sketchy, and it's just it's just so obvious they reveal their elitism. But why do the people that want everybody to be so tolerant, why do they think they're so far above they're, others? They're hypocrites. They have no argument. They, they cannot be defended. Turn that up. More of uh, where are we going is coming up. Where are we headed? Not good. Where are we headed? Mm-hmm. 1500 ESPN is KSTP, St. Paul, Minneapolis, 33.